0: Hi, we here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's word. Whatever. <laughs> Wonderful that uh, we have this opportunity today just to get together and uh, focus on God's word. I couldn't think of anything better to focus on, quite honestly, than that. And uh, thanks, yeah. It very much more professional than the one I gave you. As you can see, I'm a gym clip and elastic band man. (laughs) I don't come with my, you know, I just admire these guys who flip open things and they just preach away. Anyway, but uh, yeah, this morning, uh, or today, is is just an incredible opportunity, I believe, for us to share together around God's Word. Uh, I really just want to make it. You know, playing like everybody says, yeah, you spend so much time in Revelation, you know. Well, I, I have, but that doesn't mean that I know it all. <laughs> so I want to make that very straight. From the, from the beginning, I want to make that very plain to you. I'm not, uh, I'm not here as an expert. I'm still learning things. I'm, I'm sure there's still more to discover. Uh, there'll be more changing scenarios in my, my understanding, I'm sure of that. Yeah. Uh, but that's, that's the exciting thing about God's Word. It is so rich mm-hmm. and so deep mm-hmm. and so beyond our feeble mind comprehension. Mm-hmm. And uh, we are just blessed that we have Holy Spirit mm-hmm. with us, mm-hmm. in us, who directs and leads us. And as, we, as Jesus declared, He leads us into. Mm-hmm. All truth. So we're just going to scratch the surface this morning. I'm sure in many ways. I'm not sure how familiar any of you are with with uh, the Revelation, Um, but we'll we'll discover some exciting things as we go along. I'm sure. And uh, we're going to just. I I, I don't know if we're going to finish today or not. I don't believe that you just carry on until you are finished. That would be, that would be pointless. But we'll do what we can do. <clears throat> and we just trust the Holy Spirit to lead us. But I just want to say too, thank you to Pierre and Monette for opening their home to, to us for this occasion. Uh, you know, it's an amazing thing, the journey you have in life with God. Uh, Pierre and Monette, we met... In 1995, 1996, when we, when we moved to Bloemfontein from Johannesburg to plant a church in Bloemfontein. So you want to ask now, what's Soti umakach in Bloemfontein? Well, God knows. <laughs> I'm still trying to find the English speaking community in Bloemfontein, uh, I think it was a myth. But anyway, we landed up in Bloemfontein and we had wonderful years of ministry there. And uh, Pierre and Manette were the first couple they met in our church, or through our church. And they were the first couple that I married in Bloemfontein. And I just think it's incredible now, 20-something years later, here we are in their home in Stellenbosch. I mean, uh, some of the worst in the Western culture. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not Ruventa in that area, I mean. but uh, it's just amazing, you know. You'll see as you walk through life how amazing God is in the way in which He just brings, weaves our lives in and out, you know, like a magnificent tapestry. So the question. Uh, uh, some of this may be a little bit repetitive from the time I shared weeks ago, but I think it's just good to start off from a, from a base that we all are familiar with. And I think, I think one of the questions it's always good to ask people is, and you don't have to put your hand up or anything, but have you ever read Revelation? <laughs> I struggled, but I kind of made a valiant attempt every now and again. Um, <coughs> And if you have read it, how often have you been back to read it? you know Is it, is it part of regular visitation from you in your, in your times of studying the word? Uh, so I think it is important first of all for us to understand that we are we are here to look into the revelation okay, not revelations. I think just as we go along, we might as well use the opportunity to correct some. Uh, common usages that have crept into the church that are inaccurate. And the one is everybody talks about revelations. It's not. There are many revelations within the revelation, that I'll grant you. But its, it's proper name is the revelation. Okay. And uh, it's an interesting book. It's a very really controversial book in many ways. Uh, I think, as I mentioned before, it was the last book that ever was recognized as being part of the, the New Testament. And when you say, "Well, how long after?" It was about 400 years after Christ that people finally settled on the fact that yes, this is divinely inspired. It's amazing, isn't it? So it's a it's an interesting it's an interesting thing to see that. Uh, you know these wo- these books are not just randomly chosen and put and, and cobbled together. The Holy Spirit has really worked and convinced people thoroughly that this is needs to be amongst the scriptures that we have to guide us and feed us in our lives. The other thing of course about revelation is that people say well some people say it was written. In 60 AD, others say 90, around 95 AD Most people Tend to think 95 Around about 95 AD Okay, that's not a long time After The death of Jesus When you think of it About 50 years, eh? Uh, so it was written At least then But if you hold to a certain View of Revelation Then you will insist that it was written in AD 60 or thereabouts, because if it wasn't written then, then your whole story of Revelation folds up <laughs> and flops. That <laughs> so we'll look into that later on. This is just some of the interesting stuff you're going to encounter in a, in a study of Revelation. So, uh, it's accepted, I think, that if, by most people, that that the person who put it together was John. John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, the one who was closest to Jesus, uh, the apostle of love, as he is referred to. Paul is the apostle of grace. John is the apostle of love. had such an amazing understanding and grasp of God's love. And you see that when you read those letters of his. And uh, he was the last living disciple, all the other disciples by this stage were gathered around the throne in, in glory but John was still walking the earth and uh, he was in probably about eight, in his 80s when, when, when he had this encounter and uh, he died they say when he was about 90 in the, in the city of Ephesus which we also know very well as a biblical reference point and uh, so his name was given to this revelation. And uh, the wonderful thing about John, of course, is I think it was appropriate that he was the one that had this, re- this insight because he's, he's the only person I know of who has seen Jesus in the flesh, has seen Jesus resurrected, and has seen Jesus as he now is. Think of that yeah. mm-hmm. and a very good question, just to stop and pause for a moment to consider for yourself, is which Jesus do you follow okay now i 'm not leading you up the garden path by suggesting there are others, but when you when you think of jesus what comes what, what is the picture that comes to your mind? Is it a man walking? across the, the stark Palestinian territories that he, he he traversed. You know, the one with the, the white robe and the and the hair that looks like it's just he's just been to the beauty shop, floating. and he's beautiful beard, he's got these magnificent eyes, and he's almost kind of like floating along the ground, you know. Is that the Jesus that we, we think of when we think of Jesus? Because if we do, we're thinking the wrong way. And for a start, I think, you know, we would be shocked if we really had to investigate the humanity of Jesus as to what he really looked like. I don't think he'd be anything like the pictures that you see hanging up all over the place of Jesus. You know, lovely smile, beautiful eyelashes, well groomed. I mean, he was a Palestinian. And if you've been to that part of the world, you'll know that they are not the best-looking kind of people, physically. Mm -hmm. Hook-nosed, swarthy, small. Not appealing, really, to to us, probably. But anyway, that's just uh, something to think about. And, and, you know, what we've got to understand, uh, if we're, you know, the effectiveness of the church, really, I believe, in a sense, depends on the fact that we are connected to a Christ who is in glory. Amen. Amen. That is who we serve. You know, he was. He he came, he was a man, he came in the flesh, but now he's back where he came from. You know, he didn't start on the earth and land up in. He came from heaven and he's back in heaven. So we've got to understand that the spiritual dimension of our lives is far more important, possibly, than this physicality that we experience on a daily basis. Not to lose touch with reality. You know, we used to have a saying in the old days, he's so heavenly minded that he's no earthly good. And that was generally thrown around at people who were kind of always flaunting their spirituality, if I can put it that way. You know? Always kind of dropping hints about how spiritual they were. And uh, never really doing much practically <laughs> But actually, there's truth in the fact that if you're not heavenly minded, you will be no earthly good. (laughs) The the more heavenly minded you are, the more earthly good you will will achieve. Anyway, I just give you that one for free. Okay, so John, he saw Jesus in in a most magnificent way, and then he recorded what he saw. We're going to look into that a little later in a bit more detail. So a lot of people have all these different ideas about Revelation and uh, it's caused many in the church to say, well, I I don't even want to go there. (laughs) And even if I did go there, when I read a few pages, I don't know what it's all about, so let me just concentrate on things that I, I do understand a bit better about. And then you get others who you can't get out of the book of Revelation because because they see all sorts of weird things in there and they, they rush to YouTube and they broadcast all these things, you know. I mean, it is just incredible, some of the stuff I have seen, not that I go looking for it, but sometimes I see this, you know, profound insight and it's the most bizarre stuff, really. And so it's caused a lot of people to fear reading it as well. It brings a fear. When it actually is a book that says, if you read this, you will be blessed. <laughs> okay. So, there are lots of opinions flying around. And it has become an issue, Revelation has in a sense, become an issue in the church that is actually cons- potentially divisive. It divides people. And all I want to say, please, is whatever your view and whatever you understand revelation to mean, that's great. But don't get into a fight with someone about their view. <laughs> I think we can talk about these, our differences. If we have differences, we can talk about them. But we talk about them in a way that is, I hope, leads to something more fruitful. <laughs> but we don't want to, you know, lambaste people because they are a millennialist and I'm pre-millennialist, you know. (laughs) Amillennialist and lost the plot and all the stuff that you hear flying around. There's scope for both. (laughs) Okay. You have to make a decision what you believe. That's true of all Scripture. You know? You don't just believe it because I tell you to believe it. You believe it because the Holy Spirit convicts you of the truth. So you know what it is that you believe. So it's been a contentious book for a long time. 400 years to actually get the church at that stage to agree, this is fine. We believe this is, this is uh, divinely inspired. And then a few hundred years later in the, in the, in the, in the first major shake up of the, of the church through the Reformation, the Reformationists like Martin Luther and, and uh, um, John Calvin both had strong views about Revelation. Martin Luther's view was that it shouldn't be in the Bible. <laughs> you know, me, we, we, I mean, we hold him up for all the other things that he did and his understanding of grace. But at the same time, he said, this, is not, this isn't a book for the Bible. And he said that about the book of James as well, the letter of James. He said, James doesn't belong in the Bible. And yeah, people went and scratched, tore the pages out of their Bibles because he said that. <laughs> And then John Calvin, I mean, he contributed so much to our, our theology in so many wonderful ways. And uh, he wrote these magnificent commentaries. I mean, John Calvin's commentaries would fill this room. <laughs> they are so in-depth. In depth. And the one thing he never, ever wrote a commentary on was Revelation. Isn't that amazing? He, he drew the line at Jude. <laughs> no more, no more. <laughs> Okay, but I can tell you one thing, one person who really loves this book is, is, is Satan himself. Because he is the arch-deceiver, and this is a book of truth. And it, of course, tells us of his destination, his, where he is, and who he is. Okay, so even today, you know that Revelation is, is not accepted in a large portion of the church, numerically, if I can put it that way. If you lived in uh, Eastern Central Europe and you were part of the, the, the Eastern Orthodox Church, there's no Revelation in their Bible. They don't. They don't uh, accept it. Same with the Russian Orthodox Church. So, <clears throat> yeah, we're trekking on dangerous territory here. <laughs> okay. So, what's the alternative title for Revelation? Well, it's it's known as the Copalypse Apocalypse And that's from the Greek word Apocalypse which is, means An unveiling or an uncovering So this is a book that uncovers Or unveils The future to us And uh, in, in Our kind of theological terminology This would be known as A apocalyptic Literature the, only, the other book, it's the only uh, apocalyptic book in the New Testament The only other one is the book of Daniel in the Old Testament Okay, And uh, so it's, it's written basically to uncover what is to come So that's what we talk about as the end times or give it its proper name, eschatology Eschatology is the, is the study of end time events I'm just making these terms known because you encounter them a lot when you when you do any reading about end time events and church plots. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So one thing about apocalyptic literature uh, that I think you need to understand is it makes use of very picturesque language. This is a this is a book that is more like a painting than 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 a novel. <laughs> You've got to be able to understand art more than you have to understand literature, if I can put it that way. It's very, it's written dramatically, and the, the imagery is vivid and, and wow, you know, sort of in your face, uh, full of imagery, full of symbolism. And that's where people get confused, because we're so unaccustomed to that in this 21st century that we live in. The people of this era. We're actually far more attuned, I think, to this kind of thing than we are. So, you know, much of the vision that Revelation is describes seemingly bizarre things to us, you know, like dragons and beasts and lakes of fire. Uh, But, you know, somehow John has to describe to us the indescribable. (laughs) And so... You know, if I was to try and tell you, well, you know, it's like this. And then I'll tell you. And, and I, now you're trying to form a picture in your mind of what I'm trying to convey to you. So you understand the situation that we face with the book of Revelation. So, I mean, some of the symbolic descriptions in this book are, are explained. Now, right at the very beginning, we read about the seven stars in the right hand of, of God. And, the, and, and Revelation then goes on to tell us that the so seven stars are the seven angels, the angelos, or the seven messengers, what we would call the seven leaders of the seven churches, which are described initially as the seven candlesticks, golden candlesticks. So, you know, you just say, well, why don't you just say church? No, because this is Revelation. <laughs> I mean wouldn't you like to be a candlestick rather than just a church? (laughs) And so Jesus himself explains that to us in Revelation chapter one verse twenty. So the other amazing thing about Revelation is and this is why I take so much time to get into it, is because it is rich in old testament old testament references and symbolisms. Uh, you you land up in in the book of Daniel you land up in Isaiah you land up in Ezekiel, etc, etc the Psalms all over, Revelation, you will be drawn back into the Old Testament and it's no use just saying oh, there's an Old Testament reference and you just carry on, Mm -hmm. because you're going to miss something Mm -hmm. so whenever you see that, you go back and say, now what is this? what's the context of that? etc, and you see this picture just beginning to emerge that you never saw before and of course the other thing it frequently uses is numbers nomergis obviously you're familiar with seven you know, seven runs throughout the number seven is found all through revelation and of course it's always known as the number of completeness seven is completeness so when, it, when you read seven it's complete. But yeah we'll see also the number twelve, the number twenty-four, the number four and of course the number 666. Say, oh, yeah, six, six, six. Everybody says, oh yeah, who's he? There's some guys with his number plate, six, six, six. I've actually seen a number plate with that number on it. What an unfortunate thing. <laughs> Anyway, so what do all these numbers mean? Well, we'll have to try and get to some of that too. So, we've got all these views, opinions about Revelation. Let me just, if you're going to get into a deeper study, let me just say this, take this as a tip. Don't read too much. Find one or two books, uh, commentaries or whatever. Uh, Don't listen to all there are. Hundreds of messages out there About revelation And I tell you, your brain will be scrambled If you try and listen to them all Without any prejudice Especially if they're American (laughs) 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 If they're Americans, yeah Please accept my apologies Some of the stuff that comes out of America Is not helpful (laughs) Okay So, we don't want to You know, God's not there to confuse us God has given us this book to help us. It, it's going to be a blessing. So, you know, it's not yet to confuse you. Although I'd still get a bit confused, I must be honest, from time to time. Did it, is that what I, No, let me go back there. And then I, you know, this is how this, the study of this book can go. Um, so it's a book really that just brings all the strands together. I mean, the Bible really would be incomplete without Revelation. Revelation just draws everything to a final climatic conclusion. There's God in the beginning, and there's God at the end. There's a garden in the start, and there's a wedding at the end. It's just wonderful. I mean, if the the Bible stopped at Jude, you'd say, (laughs) Enovat. Where to now? (laughs) All right. So, it starts basically, I guess, from, from those momentous days of the early 1st century. I, I honestly believe if you can get some reading done into the early church, um, and what it was like to be a believer at the turn of the 1st century, you would wonder if you'd actually lost the pace. Yeah, those were extremely challenging times. And I just thank God for the many martyrs who paid the price to preserve, help us preserve what we have today. Um, Life was really tough. You know, if we think life's tough now, and it is, life was very tough for believers, particularly at this time. So. Everybody attributes the authorship of Revelation basically to John No problem there, he's the same John that wrote The letters of 1, 2 and 3 John And the Gospel of John People say he also wrote Revelation Uh, And incidentally In the King James Version I don't know if it's still done this way But in the earliest versions of the King James Version It was the book's title was The Divine, The Revelation of St. John the Divine. Sure. That was the title in the King wow. James Version. Wow. So when you got to the last book of the, the New Testament and it was Revelation, it was headed The Divine Revelation, the, the revelation of, of St. John the Divine. So that clearly puts a strong emphasis on the fact that this is John's revelation and that is totally incorrect. So, you know, you can't even go to the King James Version and say, well, everything it says is absolutely perfect. It's not. And I'll show you a lot of instances where translators have taken liberty to... Put things in the Bible in Revelation that they feel makes it eat, read better or whatever. That is absolutely incorrect. We'll look at some of that just now. So, I think we 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 all understand that the New Testament and the books of the of, of the Old Testament as well were all written under the divine inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Is that right? No, we all accept that. I mean, these weren't just books that. or letters that Paul sat and wrote we believe these were letters because he wrote many letters and there are others that have never been found or if they were found they weren't regarded as divinely inspired but these were and the whole process of the canonization of scripture is is in itself an incredible (laughs) journey to follow but that's also for another day but yeah The New Testament was written by men under divine inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But I believe that revelation is an exception. What are you saying? That it's not divinely inspired? No, I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that we don't have John writing what he was inspired to write. We have John who is recording... What he saw and what he heard. And that was coming from another source. What he saw and what he heard was coming from God. So that's why in Revelation 1 verses 10 and 11. Where John says, I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet which said... Write on the scroll what you see. Not what you think, or what you've read, but what you see. So John was very much in a place of hearing and seeing, not writing. He was just, I mean, this must have been a hang of a challenge, trying to commit to writing what you were seeing yeah. <laughs> and what you were hearing. <laughs> Take my hat off, Tim. So he writes down and he records and sends forth what he saw and he heard. So I don't believe this book is exactly the same as other books of the Bible. All right, you may think differently, you may be upset by that remark, but that's what I feel anyway. (laughs) Okay. Um, And so that opening verse is so important. For us to, to, to grasp, for we see that the revelation is the re- revelation of Jesus Christ. And that doesn't mean that's a picture of Jesus. It is rather it's a, a revelation from Jesus Christ. And that revelation was given to Jesus by God. And it was given to Jesus to show what must soon take place. So, the details of events that were visually displayed and not explained in words is what John had to do. He had to show us these things. Okay. So, Revelation begins with God. It was God who gave it to Jesus. Okay? And everything that Jesus ever said always came from God the Father. That's why we read in John chapter 7, verse 16, Jesus says, My teaching is not my own. It comes from Him who sent me. John 8.28 I do nothing on my own but speak what the Father has taught me. John 12.49-50 Jesus says I did not speak on my own accord but the Father who sent me commanded me what to say. Whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. So boy, this is When Jesus has said it, this is God speaking. Okay, now we understand the Trinity, but we also have to understand Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So Jesus takes the truth that he has been told to share and he sends the truth to John through an angel. I don't know how that was transmitted, but there's an angel and there's Revelation is full of angels, and I think sometimes too we as the modern day church have lost sight of what angels are and who they what they do. Yeah. There may be angels in here today, yeah, yeah. <laughs> could be sitting one right here, listening to see if this is <laughs> a level <tough>. step <laughs> <laughs> so the angel communicates this to John and then John writes down what he sees and what he hears and then he sends it in a letter to the seven churches that are located in Asia the province of Asia and as I've mentioned before that part is today western Turkey and uh, one of my dreams still would be to visit Ephesus sure And Smyrna. Mm. And Thyatira and colossi They're still, I mean, they're all ruins now. But I've been to to Corinth. I've seen Corinth. And uh, it's just, I mean, it it sounds a bit goofy, but it's like, it's an experience. Mm. You know? I envy these guys. They are going to Macedonia. Mm -hmm. Paul went to Macedonia. In Albania, in Dures, there is a, a theater with Paul. Taught. Yeah. So, yeah, that's incredible, you know. And Christian. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I I used to feel the same thing when I used to go uh, and after into Malawi. I I, I read the, the story of David Livingston and his the life that he led to bring the gospel to to Africa, and I mean, I literally travelled along the river that he sailed up, sure. and where he buried his wife and his children and. Guys that came out in response to the call of the gospel and died of malaria in Africa. It's just, you know, it is like you're harvesting mm. what they sowed. Mm. So, so they're going to Macedonia. <laughs> you know, and Paul said, oh, there's an opportunity in Macedonia. And even, you know, we just think, well, what happened there? Well, maybe 2,000 years later the harvest will be gathered right. in Macedonia. Amen. So wherever you go, don't minimize the, the importance of your of where you're going. Yeah. And don't just go there because you're going to a place. Go there because there's a mission. Sure. Yeah. Okay. You know, I remember... let um, me no, rather leave that for later. <laughs> Otherwise, we're going to get sidetracked here. So... He sent the letter to those churches to be read. Now, they didn't have Bibles. They didn't get a Bible with Revelation tucked into the back of it. The letter came to the angel of the church, or the angelos, or the, the leader, and he would stand up on uh, Sunday morning. Instead of preaching, he would say, I've got a letter to read to you, and this is from our dear brother John. Greetings to you, people of Ephesus, you know. <laughs> And then he would read the letter. And as they sat there, you know, they, they didn't make notes or get out their laptops and copy it all down. They listened, wow, what's this? What? Lake of fire. Oh, what? Yeah. And, but I think they were, they were fitting those pictures to some of the realities of life outside the doors of their meeting place. So, it's just so exciting, you know, scripture. This has been around a long time And it's, it's been through centuries Of all sorts of situations and turmoils Where believers have been strengthened And blessed and built up Just by what John recorded for us Let's be the same eh? Hey? So it's easy to get caught up in All of this imagery of Revelation And unfortunately many people do And I just find that becomes very distracting Uh, if you try to clarify or find answers to every little detail that's set out. It's just, it would take you forever. Um, Never just forget one thing. Jesus is the main feature. He's the main feature. He will always be the main feature. So it must be something that is encouraging. It must be reassuring and it is ultimately good news because Jesus is the center of it all. So if you work your way through Revelation, it's always good to start every session by reading through chapter 1, That's good. which is the prologue. prologue. Because sometimes you can, you can just get caught up in the horribleness, if I can put it that way, of what are some of the stuff you're reading and then you just think, you know, what is this about? And then you've got mm-hmm. to go back and think, oh know, but hang on, where's this from? Mm-hmm. Who's, who's the source? And what does he say? And you just fill yourself fresh with those opening statements in, in the prologue of, Revelation, of the letter of the, of the Revelation and you just, okay, now I can understand it. It gives me perspective <laughs> to go on. Okay. So the wonderful thing that that brings to us, of course, is that he's ever present, Jesus. He's the ever present one. So we, as the church, we are can be so secure in him. Nothing ever will separate us from him, as we read in Romans chapter eight. Eh? There will be all sorts of hardships and difficulties and persecutions possibly even that, that we will have to face. But we will triumph because He has triumphed. We will be victorious because He is the victor. And not even death, physical death, will ever separate you from Christ. Isn't that wonderful? This is a book that deals with death. Death sometimes we're frightened to face that issue but when you get to my age you spend more time in the departure lounge than the arrival lounge (laughs) so you tend to think a bit more about what if and uh, you know when you just realize man I have nothing to fear death has been swallowed up death has lost its sting so, you know, just think about the future of your life, beyond <laughs> this physical realm. Anyway, so what I want to just say is this, about everything else, when you go into study Revelation or dig into Revelation, it is so important that you have your true standing in Christ buttoned up that you have no doubts that your identity and your life are firmly rooted, firmly established in Christ, that you never ever have to doubt His love for you and His commitment to you. We've been sealed in Him. and You'll see that the sealing is a vital part the message that comes through in Revelation we've been sealed in him our names are already written in a book mm. Mm. that also is a thing that is remind, constantly referred to in this book and when your name has been written in the book of life no one, nothing can ever expunge it So isn't that awesome? It can never be expunged. So what I also like to just say right at the outset is maybe just to uh, say, what is the take-home for us when we study Revelation? What's the take-home? Well, firstly, I believe the message that comes through for us is patient endurance and faithfulness. And John himself, a man well acquainted with these issues, I might add. Yeah. John himself sets the tone in Revelation chapter 1 verse 9. He says, I, John, your brother and companion. Isn't that, isn't that so refreshing? Today, everyone wants to tell you that they're an apostle or they're a prophet or something. You know? yeah. I mean, he doesn't say, I, Apostle John. He says, I'm your brother and companion. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and the kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus. can't remember that scripture, but it's, I, I, uh, I think it's in Corinthians where it says, um, "I want to know Christ and and the sufferings." Is that, uh, somebody, can someone help me there? Philippians. Philippians. Yeah. Three of twa- uh ten. <laughs> <laughs> you Have you got it? Um, oh, I've got a Bible. Yeah. I got a <laughs> great Bible. Yeah, I used to uh, read it to us, Wendy. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. Yeah, okay. I don't know if that actually refers to suffering now that I think of it, but nonetheless, you know, Jesus tells us that we will endure hardships, Mm -hmm. but have no fear because I've overcome the world. Eh? So John himself, he faced hardships and suffering. And in fact, the reason that he was on the island of Patmos (laughs) was because of this very thing. And uh, just about Patmos, by the way. Patmos is not your idea of a Greek island holiday experience. (laughs) Uh, Patmos was one of those islands that was Closer to the coast of Turkey, off the western coast of Turkey, and it's an island that is just like a piece of rock, and it was about, well, I think it's about 80 kilometers from Ephesus when Ephesus was still on the sea. You know, Ephesus is now inland. Sure. Uh, it got completely silted up through, it's a, it's a devastatingly earthquake area, that area there, and earthquakes feature prominently, needless to say, in Revelation. But when Ephesus was on, this, on the coast, the port of Ephesus, um, it was about 80 kilometers out to sea, you would come across the island of Patmos. And the Romans used Patmos as a kind of a robin island, like we, did, like our previous regime did here. And any naughty people that they didn't like, send them to Patmos. So John was in Patmos, an old man. Can you imagine that? 80 years old. Incarcerated there in, on this island. And Patmos is only a, about 6 kilometers by 12 kilometers. It's just a small area. So that's where he was, serving time because of his witness and his testimony of Jesus. As he says, I was there because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. And so similar challenges were facing those that he was writing to in his churches. Uh, you know, in, in, in Revelation 2, verses 2 and 3, the letter to Ephesus, he says, You have persevered, you've endured hardships. He commends them for that. Uh, Jesus does. And in Revelation two nineteen, 19, the, the believers in Thyatira, he says, Your love and faith and perseverance. In writing to the, the church in Philadelphia, in, you've endured patiently. Hold on to what you have. So the the message that's coming through is keep pushing through. I'm not going to leave you. Keep pushing through. And so, likewise, as with the churches, we are reminded, because at the end of every letter, it says, to him who overcomes. So it's a reminder that man... You're having all these difficulties you're facing challenges you're being pressed from all sides but you've over- we've overcome we've overcome and it's a reminder to us as well that we are overcomers that our place our faith is solidly placed <laughs> so he who has overcome the world live victoriously as an overcomer Word for us today. And then in, uh, in in Revelation chapter 13 verse 10 there's a, a word of similar nature. It says, Meanwhile, God's holy people passionately and faithfully stand their ground. A little further on in Revelation 14. Meanwhile, the saints stand passionately, patient, keeping God's command, staying faithful to Jesus. That's the word for us. Don't let's be shaken by what the world throws at us. Let's not give in. Let's not give up. Let's not call it a day. Let's passionately. That's, the, that's amazing. Man, passionately patient. The Holy Spirit just really wants to strengthen us in these areas, I believe, because I think there are times where we will still face some serious challenges that will normally derail people, but we need to understand what are the times we live in and how do we push through. We are pushing through because of who's in us. And then the other take-home that I so I think there's a take-home there of How passionately patient and enduring am I? (laughs) Good question to ask yourself because Jesus is the one who does that in us. And then the other amazing thing for me is the infinite patience of a loving God. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you the one thing I've felt when I've read through Revelation is God, I really don't understand your love. The things that you endure I would have bailed out on long ago I love what uh, the Passion Translation says here in 2 Peter chapter 3 Peter writes, he says So dear friends don't let this one thing escape your notice a single day counts like a thousand years to the Lord And a thousand years counts as one day. This means that contrary to man's perspective the Lord is not late with his promise to return as some measure lateness but rather his delay simply reveals his loving patience towards you because he does not want he does not want any to perish, but all to come to to repentance. In other words, to make a change of heart and mind and receive the life that is everlasting. As a footnote to that verse says, but that everyone should come into grace. Never forget the infinite patience of God. He's loving patience towards us. So when we we walk out into the streets of our our neighborhoods and into our cities and towns and when we go on mission trips to other nations, let's remember there are many people that God's almost holding back from winding things up because there's just another possibility Mm. that they will receive my love. That's what he is. That's how he is. You know, he's not waiting there saying, Right, five seconds. One you know, (laughs) just waiting to close the door. That is going to happen. But you know a a day is but a thousand years (laughs) to God. See, we don't have that same concept of time, do we? We don't understand the grand scheme of God's idea of what he wants all come to saving knowledge of yourself. Not just one or two. So that's a wonderful take home for you. Have we got time for a little bit more? Or do we have a break? Okay. Okay, another thing to look at is how how is revelation interpreted? That's gonna be quite something to think about as well in your studies, I'm saying this all the time because I'm trusting that this is going to lead this, t- this morning is going to lead you yeah, that's good. <laughs> to your own study <laughs> okay not just trying to live off what someone else has told you but get the, get the truth first hand so how is Revelation interpreted? well there's a number of different interpretations that have exist today, the first one is the historical historical view uh, which basically says that revelation is is a broad view of history and then there's the pre-terrorist view pre-terrorist view Now, pre-terrorism comes from the Latin word praetor which simply denotes that something is past or beyond so pre-terrorists believe that revelation has been fulfilled (laughs) okay did you know that (laughs) the preterist view basically says what is recorded in Revelation really refers to events that that belong in the apostolic era the first century in other words
1: Uh,
0: or at the very latest the fall of the Roman Empire some will even say the Roman Empire fell that was the end it all happened most of them, the pre-terrorists, placed their thing on the, on the destruction of Jerusalem, which occurred in A.D. 70. We'll touch on that somewhere along the line, because that's a very significant part of so many interpretations of, of Revelation. But in A.D. 70, Jerusalem and the Temple were destroyed completely. It was the worst holocaust that Jews have ever faced by the Romans, the Romans had just had the Jews up to here. And they came in and they flattened the place, exactly as Jesus had prophesied. Mm -hmm. When you read through the teachings of Jesus on the Mount of Olives in Matthew 24, and you read an account by someone like Josephus on what actually happened when the Romans besieged Jerusalem, it is like amazing. To the details. And so, pre-terrorists believe that was the that was the great tribulation. Because that's what Jesus said. You will face great tribulation. And they did indeed. If you stayed in Jerusalem, you faced total devastation. And uh, that's the pre-terrorist view. So that's why the pre-terrorists say, no, well, Revelation was written in AD 60. It was written before this happened. So that's why it's, you know... Get the, get the drift it's no use saying well it was written in 95 but this will happen then so that wouldn't make sense then there's a futurist view and futurism re- just describes or says that revelation is, is, a, is a story that describes future events and uh, today we, we would call those people millennialists they believe in the millennium We, do we understand what millennium means? Mm-hmm. 1,000 years. Okay. Um, so they are referred to as millennialists who believe in a future, futuristic view of Revelation. And then there's the RD lists. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. You see what happens with books like this, eh? All sorts of camps springing up. And uh, they say that revel- Revelation is, a, is allegorical. In other words, uh, it's a very symbolic narrative, it's a story within a story, uh, there's things hidden in the meanings, there are meanings behind all the things that are said, um, it doesn't really refi- refer to actual people or events, it's an allegory, it's, it's basically the outcome of the struggle between God and Satan. So, there's a different, those are the main different views. There may be others that I'm not aware of. And then there are also differences of interpretation concerning the thousand years, the millennium. This is the real hot potato for most people. Because the millennium is mentioned in Revelation 20, a thousand years, as Christ's reign. He will reign for a thousand years. And at the same time, Satan will be bound for a thousand years. And uh, he will reign together with the saints. And during that time, Satan will be bound. So there are those that say, well, we we believe in a literal one thousand year period. Uh, they are called pre-millennialists. They believe that Jesus will return... At some future date, and he will then begin to reign on earth for a thousand years. Pre-millennial. Jesus comes before the millennial. And guess what, There are those who say, well, no, we believe they're post-millennial. We believe that actually the gospel is going to make great advances. Things are going to improve. We're going to move on into a golden age of the church. Uh, that we haven't seen yet, but it's coming. And uh, and it's, it's going to be wonderful and it's going to be so good that Jesus is going to come back after the thousand years. And then there's the amillennialists. Amillennialism actually says they, they don't believe in the literal view of uh, what's recorded in Uh, revelation. They lean more towards the allegorical interpretation and uh, they believe we are living in the millennium. Now, now where do you fit yourself in in that? (laughs) Uh, Well, that's that's a very personal thing. (laughs) Alright, so that's what we're going to encounter not that we're going to explain all these views in detail, but uh, be aware of them. It. Because it's very important. When the material you read will influence you in one of these ways. Yeah. And I would say that the predominant view that most people, if you speak to them about revelation of the end times, they will give you a premillennialist view. And it's actually a dispensational view uh, don't be worried about all this terminology but the pre-millennialist view is, is perhaps the most recent view it only really came to prominence in the, in the mid-1800s through the writings of John Darby and uh, later through the Dallas Theological Seminary and in the American church throughout this thing and so premillennialism is, is, uh, is very well popularized and a lot of people I think generally would say well that's it you know that's the, that's, that's the truth <laughs> well I think with revelation you're always to say is that the truth <laughs> do I understand that as the truth anyway those are just some of the, the, the things that you will find yourself having to work your way through So, as I've said before, you know, the debates about the millennium and other aspects of revelation, differing views and are not a it's not a matter of orthodoxy or hit or or heresy. Mm. Please understand that. If someone chooses to believe in premillennial view, that's not a heresy. Neither is it, you know, a heresy to be a millennialist. So we're not talking here about You know, heresy is something that is dreadful. No one one would even think of putting forward a view such as that that was heretical. It's just a different viewpoint, you know, a different interpretation. They come from different hermeneutical background and study of things. So you're going to have these differences. Um, So, you know, you you can get a couple of people together in a room you have different views on, on, uh, on, on the millennium, and yeah, well, you could land up with a big bonfire, you know. Some people get really heated about these things. All I want to say is, don't let these things become issues, you know for us. Just accept that there are different perspectives. and uh, the important thing always I believe, is just to remain humble. Don't get on a high horse about what you believe as they and they don't believe is exactly the same. Remain humble, discuss, debate, but remain humble. But I know one thing is certain, Jesus will return. Whether it's before or after or somewhere in between, (laughs) as some people also tell us. he will return. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube.